What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax results. I'm gonna go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Yes, she is here, the host of the Red Hot Real Estate Show from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax results, Miss uh, Miss Mimi Shoneman. What's going on over there? Good morning, my friend. Hello, hello, hello. On our additional friend, also with us today, looking very well sweatered. I like that, Phil. Good job, Phil from Cross Country Mortgage. How's it going over there? Yo, you look quite warm and toasty. I'm warm. Mm-hmm. and toasty and I'm kind of wearing kind of a winter sweater. Yes, I like it. I like it. So let's get your NMLS number out of the way. NMLS 238-103, company NMLS 803-095, Cross Country Mortgage. Okay, well, we had a lot of stuff that we talked about last week right? that we didn't even get close to. <laughs> um, so what I'd like for you to do, Phil, is let's just talk about what you... What was your best rate that you locked last week and what was your worst one? Mm, okay. Best rate I locked last week was 3.875% on a 30-year fixed. Worst rate I locked was on an FHA with a 630 credit score, 4.625. Okay, so credit score making a big impact there. What would it have been if the credit score would have been 680? If I could have improved the credit, which I couldn't, there was nothing that could be done. Okay. Uh, I The interest rate on, say, a 680 is probably closer to 4%. Okay. So even for folks with the very best of credits, we're we're really smack dab on the fours. We're, we're, we are at the fours, and this all started on November 9th of last year. Okay. And right now, uh, we've seen interest rates move 1.5% with a prediction that they could easily move another 1% by June. By June. Okay. Well, let's just talk about that because we really, it's anytime that the interest rate moves one full percent, we've talked about it for years, that that is 11% less purchase purchase power. So... For those folks out there that are struggling to find what they want at the current price point, whatever bracket that finds you in, just imagine in June that you get to go down 11% in your price. That's really, and you're really going to be looking at the same product. Phil? Yeah, I mean, I had I had two clients that that fit this mold exactly. Uh, they were both at about 300000 on a single family home. Could it be? It could be a townhome. Could be a uh, you know a a condo. Mm-hmm. But I ended up having to call them here this last week. Um, they weren't expecting my call, but my system monitors right. interest rates on my active buyers, and I had to make a phone call to them and go, folks, we're no longer at three hundred. And for one of those clients, it broke their heart. Right. Okay. So, what did that take them down to? Took them down to two seventy. Okay. So you said eleven percent. Yeah. I'd say it's a haircut of of ten percent mm-hmm. easily, and it really also then depends on the property that they're going to buy. Because if you now go from a single family residence to a condo, people don't understand that an interest rate on a condo is higher than a single-family residence. Oh, okay. And a, an interest rate on a townhome, similar to a single-family home? Uh, it's, it's it's up by an eighth to a quarter of a percent, but then your consumer also has 
the weight of that association fee. Right. Because if your homeowner's insurance on a condo is $30 per month, well, your average homeowner's insurance on a house is $150. Now, there's a there's $120 swing. Mm-hmm. But when, you're, when your association fee is $220 plus, right. we've lost $100. Mm-hmm. We lost $100, which then impacts debt to income ratios impacts it is the ability for the consumer uh to purchase at a higher purchase point right you and have I to think drop it sometimes you if you go okay i'm gonna buy a townhouse in your head you're thinking it'll be less work because i don't have the yard maintenance i don't have that but you don't always because i used to own a townhouse it's like yeah but there's a fee that i have to send away and then there's still stuff i have to do and i don't get to do what i want in the house so it's always a, a balancing act of what your priorities mm-hmm. are now, now, one of the things that, I, that I'm talking to my clients about is let's be creative, though. Right. All right. We've lost 10% in its purchasing power. Mm-hmm. All right. Are there additional resources out there? Are there gifted funds? Can we bring a non-occupant co-signer onto the loan to drop the debt-to-income ratios? And if we drop the income debt-to-income ratios now, that gives that consumer more purchasing power. Okay, so let's talk about the risk uh, for the person that comes on as a non, what did you call it? It's called a non-occupant cosigner. Non-occupant cosigner. So those people won't live there, but their credit and everything else is at stake. Is that correct? You are correct in, in one of the things you said. Okay. All right. Uh, it will impact the non-owner occupant's credit. Other than that, there is no downside to it. Okay. Because there's no cross-collateralization. Meaning, if I own a home and I co-sign for my daughter mm-hmm. as a non-occupant co-signer, and if my daughter defaults on the loan, yes, you will end up having a foreclosure on credit. Number two, credit score is going to drop. Yes. But they can't come after your bank accounts. They can't come after your home. Okay. They can't come after your assets. So the the one thing that I always tell non-occupant co-signers is they need to keep a thumb on the property. Okay. What does that mean? That means that they should have access to the online servicer. And they should literally be looking, if they're not making the payment, and their daughter is, or their son. Just look son, every month, right? Just look every month, make sure the payment's being made, because understand that that mortgage statement is not going to go to you. Yes. It is going to the borrower. Okay. So I'm all about mitigating the risk there, and that mm-hmm. sounds pretty risky to me. I don't like it, um, but I see why it would be used. So yeah. what about if the non-occupant co-buyer switched hats? with the daughter they said you know i i want to help you out but i want to be the owner and you will just do basically a rent to own to me you you can do that but now you just now you just created a dilemma now you've just turned that single family primary residence into an investment property oh okay because you're not living there gotcha okay Okay. so what other things can you think that would protect that non-occupant Oh, I mean, you can always draft up your own legal document with the non-occupant co-signer. Mm-hmm. I've got one of those one of those transactions going on right now where they're 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 funding two hundred thousand of a basically a four hundred thousand dollar purchase. They're bringing two hundred thousand dollars on, and they're on the purchase agreement. They're going to be on title. Mm-hmm. They're since they're. Uh, 
And then, and then I'm putting the wife on as a non-occupant co-signer. So now you've got three borrowers. Okay. Now all three borrowers or two of the borrowers that are living together are going to get the mortgage statement, but so will that other party. Because they're on the title. Because, no, because they're on the loan. Oh, okay, gotcha. They're on the mortgage. Okay. So you can have your own legal draft of any terms that you want uh, for all parties if everybody signs off on it. So, I mean, if I'm doing something like that, I want to be able to enter the property. I want to see that the property is being cared for. Um, that drugs aren't being done on the property or that other people who aren't supposed to be living there aren't living there and squatting. Um, lots of things. I mean, you know, you can call it a control freak if you will. <laughs> but, you, you know, Miss Shannon, uh, I yeah. know that you have uh, knowledge in this department. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, it my I understand wanting to provide an option for at least a, a close friend or a family member and being able to set them up, especially in this really tight market that we are, because when we're talking about generational opportunities, it is being able to have a family member that can support you in this time. And I think that that's how a lot of people are getting stuff done. But I like that we're also talking about creative ways so that you can go it's not that I don't love you, but here's what I have to do for my safety as well. But you, and you I also, think that's great that you add yeah. in those options. You also mm-hmm. have to be honest with yourself about mm-hmm. what the 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 history of the person that you're doing this oh, right. for. Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. If if they can't pick their clothes up off well, their bedroom then, floor, then, then you guess know, what? They shouldn't be getting into that transaction. Absolutely. That's right. what I'm saying. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, now one of the things that I tell all my clients, especially when they get into the weeds under a situation like this is there's no handshakes here, folks. Right. There's, there's no, oh, well, he said no, 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 no. We get everything down in writing. And because you put it in writing, believe me, it will save your relationship. Absolutely. Because when, when, when stuff happens, you go back to the contract. We already discussed this. We worked yeah. through all of the things. Yes. Right. I love that part and, of this conversation. And you don't let the codependent, crazy stuff, guilting and no. all that no, kind no, of no, stuff no. come no. into play. And you know, if somebody has had a history with you where they make you feel bad when you don't do something because that's what they want, and then they cry and they moan about it, pay attention to right. who they show you mm-hmm. who they are. Because when you get into a legal battle with somebody who's close, a family member like that. Those are the worst things. Those are the worst things. And this way you at least have all of the discussion, full disclosure, where it's like, no, here's what I'm doing to assist you. I'm not telling you no, but we're going to talk through all of the permutations of what could happen so that there's no question and the emotion is taken out of it later. I'm still going to help you. And this is the best thing for all of us. And if they don't want to do it at that point, then, then I think that also shows you a lot about them. It's like, okay, well, if you're not willing to do it this way, that makes it so that we don't have any problems down in the future, then we, that means you, you kind of think you're going to be a problem. So you, you shouldn't say yes. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the thing is, is I do this a lot with clients where if I have a situation like this, I want them to come in my office and I get all parties in. Mm-hmm. And then I'll basically say, folks, I'm the intermediary right. here. I'm representing both sides with the understanding. I'm going to look at fairness, but I'm also going to be looking at how can this situation go bad mm-hmm. and how do we prepare ourselves so it doesn't go bad. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, doing what we do, Phil, we've seen a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Right. I have seen... And I, I mean, I've seen a lot of good things with with family helping out family, 
But I have also seen where family took advantage of a, a really good opportunity. And then, you know, we can talk a little bit more about that when we come back. But, Phil, I want to talk a little bit about the rates. And people have questions about that. Why are they moving so quickly? Sure. All right, we'll cover that Cover that and more. You can be part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Just call us at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071, also streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Ms. Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and Remax Results. Also from Cross Country Mortgage, our friend Phil Olson. You can be part of the show. Call us at 651-641-1071. Okay. Well, we've had enough of talking about the those questions that we had in the first break, and we mm-hmm. encourage you, if that is you, and you want to help your family member, uh, you've got the wherewithal to do it, we in- encourage you to reach out to us. You can reach out to us by text or by phone call, 651-578-2218. And Phil will be giving his info, uh, callphilolson.com, uh, so you can reach out to him for any mortgage-related questions. So, Phil... Um, People want to know about the Fed and why are we why are we seeing such pressure on rates right now? Great question. All right. So we have to go back pre-COVID. All right. And the economy got completely shut down. Mm-hmm. And the Federal Reserve, through talks, they made a decision that in order to keep our economy afloat, they wanted to spur a housing market. Uh, it is uh, buy. Okay. Okay. Now, how how is the Fed able to do that? Well, it's called a mortgage-backed security. Okay. Okay. And every mortgage becomes a mortgage-backed security, securitized by the Federal Reserve or by the Fed, mm-hmm. but it's called bundling. Okay. So... They bundle all these loans and then they sell them to an investor. Well, what it is the Federal Reserve did is they said, we're going to buy it. Okay. And we're going to buy it below market price. Okay. And by them buying mortgage-backed securities below market price, they caused the bond market rates, mortgage rates, to go down. Okay. And they continued to buy. And we're talking billions and billions and billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that brought interest rates on a 15-year down to 2%. Brought a 30-year fix down to 2.5%. Well, the Fed can buy or the Fed can then say, we're going to cut the throat and we're going to stop buying. So imagine that the Federal Reserve was buying 40 cups of coffee a day. Mm -hmm. That was at their max. Now they decide we're only going to buy 35 cups. Now 30. Now 25. Now 15. Now 10. What happens? These mortgages still have to be bought. Mm -hmm. Now they have to be bought in the open market. And the open market isn't going to buy something at it is a loss. Such a discounted price like the Federal Reserve was. Correct. The Fed was. Okay. So the Which Fed, brings up a really interesting question. Why would they buy it at a loss period? Because when they borrow and they can print money at 0%, mm-hmm. they can buy whatever they want. So basically, they printed 
money to keep things moving to keep things moving but now they are restricting and they've now come to the point where they're almost at zero okay okay now mortgage-backed securities since they started it is not purchasing them we've seen rates rise mm-hmm. but now, now you got to throw another equation in there and that equation is the federal reserve for many months they said that inflation was transitory. Right. Okay. Which appeased the stock market. And it explain a- what they were trying to convey by saying that. Because we read that headline or we read some of those words, but maybe didn't understand what they were trying to say. They, that it was. they blamed it all on the supply chains. Okay. And they basically said now that consumers are able to go outside of their home Mm -hmm. and they've got all this money that's been given to them by the federal government. Now they're spending it. Mm -hmm. Inflation is created by spending too much money for too few goods. Okay. So as inventory levels go down, supply and demand says price must go up. That's simple. That's simple economics. Mm -hmm. So now that the Fed is no longer buying the mortgage-backed securities or they're buying a very small minute, they've also thrown in another piece of the puzzle. And that piece of the puzzle has to do with the short-term interest rates called the prime rate. All right. They've already come out and said that they're going to increase the prime six to seven times this year. They're going to do something they haven't done since the 1980s. Watch, they're going to increase prime by a half a point. Okay. They haven't done that. They normally will increase by a quarter of a point. I have a prediction that they're going to increase prime two times 50 basis points. Mm-hmm. They may even do three times. And literally, a home equity loan that's sitting at four and a quarter is going to turn into six, six and a half, or seven percent. And guess what? For all these people that have credit cards and they have home equity loans and they have car loans that are based on prime, um, everybody's rates are going to go up. And guess what's going to happen to their payment? It's going to also go up. I want to talk more about those things that are going to go up, but we only have about a minute that we have to do. So, Mimi, let's remind everybody about all of those great guides and everything else they can go, though, if they go to your website. Absolutely. We always have spring guides. Well, we always have every season guides. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're interested in buying and selling, we can provide you with those guides free of charge. All you have to do is request them. Uh, Spring 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, You can do that by going through the MyTalk website. Keyword is red hot or you can go to our website mnredhotrealestate.com. Phil, when we come back from this break, I want to take a deeper dive into home equity loans versus home equity lines of credit. I also want to remind you, you can get this episode and previous episodes by going to our website, mytalk1071.com. Also remind you, if you've missed something and you want to just... Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on MyTalk1071, also available at mytalk1071.com. Just use the keyword Red Hot. Here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group and also Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage. You can be part of the show. Call us with any of your mortgage-related questions at 651-641-1071. Okay, so... We oftentimes talk towards our first-time buyer category price mm-hmm. bracket, but let's talk a little bit about our our people who have the capability and the wherewithal to buy a second home. 
uh, whether that's in this market or outside the market. Right. Um, so a lot of people have just massive amounts of equity in their home, or mm-hmm. they may have 100% equity in their home that they have done over the last 10 or so years. Um, if somebody is considering, uh, there's a variety of reasons when we're talking about a home equity loan versus a home equity line of credit. So I'd like for you, Phil, to kind of break that those two products down and share what the differences are between those two things. And then I have some questions for you. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, they're really a home equity loan and a home equity line of credit. They're basically the same thing. Okay. Okay. There's not a lot of difference between between the two. All right. Uh, a, a HELOC is normally an interest only product. Okay. It is based on a 30 year amortization and the first 10 years is an interest only payment. And that's where I see a lot of consumers make that, that issue that happens in their life is they only make the interest only payment. Now, a home equity line of credit could be a fixed rate. Okay. And your fixed rate is going to be higher than a home equity line of credit. But in the current market right now with what's going to potentially happen over the next year with HELOCs potentially going up, you know, one, two percent, which is very, very realistic, folks. I would tell you if you're going to get any form of of home equity loan, you are much better off getting a fixed rate. The downside is you're not going to get a 30 year. Okay, so let's talk about this. All right, so let's just say somebody has equity in their primary residence, Mm -hmm. and they're considering buying a second home in another market. Yep. Okay, so we all know that no matter where you're looking for property, it's all very competitive right now, and the inventory is very low across the whole United States. Yep. So they're trying to talk about strategy. Mm -hmm. So do they, what is the difference from a variety of different reasons. So one option they're considering is pulling out a home equity loan, taking money out of their existing primary residence. To purchase another property? To purchase another property with cash, okay, so that they're in a better position. Yep. But they're also considering getting qualified to buy a house with a mortgage. So they're considering these two things at the very same time, Mm -hmm. okay? Excellent credit, Top credit. Yep. Okay, so no issues there. If they get the home equity line first and pull the money out of the house, what does that do to their credit score? Uh, uh, nothing. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. At all. Maybe maybe one, two points. Okay. If they pull that money out of their primary residence and then they say, okay, I think I would rather use the second mortgage instead of that. Which would be better to do first? If they already have pulled the home equity money out, do they still have the same easy way to qualify for a second mortgage? Do you see what I'm saying? So in other words, you're you're wanting to replace the HELOC with a second mortgage? If they qualify for a second mortgage, but they they're they're thinking about both. Yeah. Okay. Which would be better to do first? If they got the second mortgage then would they also still be able to pull the home equity line of credit money out or will that change their circumstances? Well, once you have a second mortgage, you have two liens against the property. Okay. Now, if there's no lien against the property, then property's free and clear, then it's considered a first mortgage. 
okay, because you only have one lien against the property. Now, the, the question comes down to what's the best way to pull that off? I would tell you I would have to take a look at the at the client's situation because all of those things involve debt-to-income ratios. They involve loan-to-value, and your loan-to-value is going to be based on how many mortgage you have to add up. All the mortgages divided by the total value would then determine what is called your total loan-to-value on the property. All right? The one thing I, I would convey to people is, you know, instead of if we're going to do... Uh, buy a house using the equity. How how are we going to pay that money back right. over the long term? I would tell you if you're taking a hundred thousand and you're going to do a HELOC and you're doing it long term, I I don't recommend it. As a matter of fact, I'd even say it's foolish. Because I thought from and again, I'm not a financial advisor. I just know from conversations with my financial advisor, a lot of times if you're using your your HELOC. It'd be something like, well, maybe you get a better interest rate on that instead of getting a car loan or something that you know you're going to revolve quickly or or within a finite amount of time. If you're going to pay that off in a short period of time right. and you can pay off that vehicle mm-hmm. in four years or right. five years compared to the other financing you got, then, then yes, it makes sense. then it makes sense. But if you're going to now turn a a depreciating asset of a truck that'll be worth nothing in six years and you're going to finance it for 10 or 15. Right. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that's, that's a good route to mm-hmm. go. All right. Understand we've got, if you're going to buy a house like Mimi's uh, scenario, I would rather see, pull your money out. Maybe we do a bridge loan because mm-hmm. that's a temporary vehicle and you're not going to pay a lot of money on that. Or then we do what's called delayed financing. You buy the house you get the house offer secured with cash, and one day later you come back to me, and I can do an eighty percent cash out of your purchase, and now you've got a fixed rate, folks. You don't want to be getting into adjustable rate mortgages right, right now. That's crazy. With everything that's going on and everything that's being said, you could put yourself in a really, really bad spot, and that's where. I recommend you call me, 651-238-6748. Let me walk you through all the options in buying that second home or investment property or primary residence if you're going to pay cash. Okay, Okay, so let's just compare the two. First, a second home outside the area Mm -hmm. or an an investment property. Mm -hmm. What's the difference from somebody's financing and what they will need to know about doing those? They're basically treated the same, Mimi. Uh, you're still going to have to have a reserve commitment of at least six months reserves for for principal interest taxes and insurance to include HOA fee. All right, so that's a multi, let's say the mortgage is two thousand dollars total. Multiply times six, that's twelve grand. You have to have that on the sidelines. Okay. Normally, for people that are well off, that's that's called your four hundred one k. That's called an IRA. That's not something we even need to liquidate. We just need a document showing you've got that okay. money. Okay. All right. Then you have to have good credit. I would say if we're talking second homes, investment properties, you want to be a 680 plus. Guess what? There are products out there that could go all the way down to 620, but you're going to pay out the nose in, in a much higher interest rate. Fair enough. Okay. So Miss Shannon wants to go to Texas. Yes. Um, she loves 
Galveston mm-hmm. and all of the fire ants yes. that live there. But I'm not mm-hmm. going to be there full time. No. I'm be there like 40% I of the time. I think they got some really nasty beetles there. They too. have a lot yeah. of things down there. And those they fire are not, ants will those fire eat ants you. And those up. beetles are loud and basically. Okay, well, yeah, maybe they're we like need to. They're shotgun proof. Yeah, they're, like they're shotgun proof. Dumb She's dumb. decided. That now we've convinced her. I'm gonna move her. to no. Austin. She I'm is move to not. Austin. She's go going to, Texas, to Hawaii. Going, no, She's if going, I'm gonna go to talk, Texas, I'll go to Austin. Okay. Austin okay. works for Austin, me. Austin right. works so for me. I like the barbecue Austin, and the. What people. are we buying, Mimi? Okay, so she has heard us talk about how the benefits of of buying near a college. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and she has a niece. Yes. Yep. That is thinking of going there. And Absolutely. Okay. So she says to herself, "I'm gonna help my niece." I'm going to help myself. Yes. I want to buy a house near Texas Mm A&M, wherever that is. I don't know. University of T. Actually, I'm going to UT. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Too many Texas things going on here. I got you, though. But Mm -hmm. so she said, okay, let's let's find us a realtor, which we can do. Okay. If you're thinking about buying or selling in another area, we can find you an outstanding realtor. Don't forget to ask us for that. Free service, by the way. We found her. just an extraordinary person that that lives and works in Austin. Mm-hmm. Okay. She says, she calls us up. She says, okay, I have just had an interview with the seller and we have an off market property. Okay. And this will suit you just fine. I've got your puzzle already solved. Mimi. All right. I like this. idea. Really? You've yeah. read my mind. I've okay. read your mind. Okay. Well, I love that. Um, so I call Miss Shannon. I'm like, get this mm-hmm. off market. No competition. We know about things. It's going to work. They don't want to put it on the market. They want it. They want it simple. Yep. Phil, what's the solution? Here's the solution. We're going to do a five percent down conventional. You're going to be a non-occupant co-signer. Mm-hmm. The student that you're buying the house for, we're going to put in the primary primary position of the house. Okay. Which will make it a primary residence. We're going to do it with five percent down. We're going to do it with a home ready product or a okay. home possible, which is a first time home buyer product. It's going to get a lower interest rate, lower PMI, all right, with as little down as you putting 5%. My question about that, when we talk about those kind of things, is that one of those things where we, because you talked about this a few weeks ago, is it an average of our credit? Is it, how does that work, the two people? All right. The way it works now mm-hmm. is you still use the lower of the two credit scores for pricing. Okay. But Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac now recognize that if we've got a 650 borrower and we've got an 800 borrower, we're really penalizing or they were penalizing the loan quality with a 650. Right. Now they're taking an average. Now, this means nothing to you, but it means right. all the all the must to me yes. because I'm running these files through underwriting engines. And now I've got an underwriting engine that's looking at the quality of a file and it's recognizing it at a 720 credit score versus a 650 credit score. Which is a big difference. It it is a big Mm -hmm. difference. It doesn't mean the loan will be approved, but guess what? It helps. It's a compensating factor that helps me figure out a loan. Okay, Okay. so you've put, uh, so you've taken my mind, you've read my mind, but you missed something. Hmm. Oh, Okay. okay. Miss Shannon didn't want her her niece to own it, really. Okay. She really wanted to own it. 
and then maybe do some other things. So what other oh, options so it is does she say? Right. Well, now, for now, sure. now okay. we're talking, we're talking 20% to 25% down. I mentioned it many times on the show. Mm-hmm. The sweet spot is 25% or greater because that's going to alleviate the high points that you'd have to pay for the interest rate at 20% down. And you're, and you're looking at almost a 1% differential in interest rate okay. by putting an additional 5% down. But you're not buying a property down in Texas and not living in it mm-hmm. and having other people in it other than it's an investment property unless we're getting creative as a non-occupant co-signer, putting them into the primary okay. position and they're a relative and you're helping them. And right. so we bring this round robin conversation out to the forefront because for our Folks out there that have uh, student age, college age students, mm-hmm. this is an, um, a remarkable strategy for right. you. Absolutely, with dorm rents out, just outrageous. This is a remarkable financial strategy for you. So, if you've got college age students soon or currently, we want you to reach out to us. Mimi at MN Red Hot Real Estate or 651-578-2218. And when we come back from the break, Phil, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about your specials. Okay. All right. You can also be part of the show. Call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071, also streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Ms. Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman from the Red Hot Real Estate Group, also from Cross Country Mortgage, Mr. Phil Olson. All right, Phil. We're just going to keep running these scenarios. So Miss Shannon mm-hmm. has a strategy, and and she's decided that that is a good strategy for her. So how long she's got the niece and there, and she's the non occupant co buyer. That's the mm-hmm. let's just talk about that strategy. Niece is going to Texas. Yep. So they have this house for one year. Niece is going to do the property management and bring all the other little student renters in. And she's going to be making that house payment with other people's money. Correct. OPM. Yep. Okay. How long does that, does she have to own that house before she can pull cash out of it and then buy the second one? Two years. Two years. So she can hold that property. Niece lives there for the two years. Mm -hmm. And then you can, she can, how do you convert that? And then what does she need to do to get the third property? Well, basically... If if she's met the requirement of a primary residence for one year, after that, she could convert it to a rental. So, in other words, when she buys the other property, it all depends on what that property is going to be. Is it going to be an investment? Is it going to be a second home? It's going to be another primary residence? Mm-hmm. All right. Don't know. All right. But basically, if you bought another primary residence, we then convert the other primary to an investment and the next purchase transaction would become a primary, which allows you to get better financing with lesser terms, which is cheaper for you okay. in, in the long run. So one calendar year, she takes the, the niece, they find an, another rental place where she can do the exact same thing. Now she's got the other one fully rented. The third one Am I hearing you right? That- uh, yeah, I, I mean, r- right now I would tell you I'd rather see the consumer be in the property for two years before they do that. Okay, okay, two years. Yeah, you'd yeah. rather, but I'd rather, but you I'd, could. I, I, 
I'm just going to leave it. I'd rather <laughs> okay. see them. All right. Okay, because there there are specific laws out there, and I I wouldn't want to tell a client to do something. Okay, and they end up getting in and trouble. I, you well, know, no, it's funny. I've talked to Phil enough about these things that in my head everything takes two years. Okay. Like I'm always like, whenever oh, I go, here's the plan. I'm like, two years from now, I'm going to do X because right. that seems like that's a pretty standard. The, there's two years, three years, four years, right. seven years. I mean, right. There, there, there's a rule and yeah. a regulation, and people don't believe me, but there's a rule and regulation for everything. Okay, right. so this is exactly okay. If mm-hmm. I'm going to say why you want to have a, a out of the box thinking team, right? Okay, you sit down and you do these strategy sessions about what you're thinking about, and let's figure out how to make it happen for you. Okay, so we're going to change subjects. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say anybody with kids close to college age, you should be calling us. And we'll leave it at that. All right, Phil. So Airbnb versus second home in a retirement community. Okay. Yep. So you have identified, um, we're going to say, Sonny. Yes. Sonny has identified that she wants to buy a house in Florida because Mm -hmm. that's where she's always wanted to go. Yep. And she likes the tax climate there. She likes the climate climate there. And she already has a house here in Minnesota that she owns and pays on. Okay. But she wants to go to Florida. She's identified a few areas in Florida that she likes. And she's in, she in her mind wants to Airbnb it most of the time. Mm, but, wrong answer. but okay. she's also going to live there part of the time. Okay. So how do Here's we work this? Simple rule. Let's hear it. 49%. 49% for what? She can't Airbnb it more than 49% of the year. If what? If she's going to keep it as a second home. Okay. If you're going to buy it as an investment property, then you can Airbnb it, live in it when you want. That allows you to go over that 50% threshold. Once you go over 50%, you now have an investment property. Okay. Okay. So the difference is the type of financing that they can use to purchase it and how much you have to put down. Correct. Okay. Term, rate, Closing costs are all affected on both sides of the fence when you're talking second home versus investment property. And believe me, folks, you don't want to break the mortgage laws. You don't want to get caught. It, they're, they're hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. You go to federal jail. Nobody, federal, nobody, nobody looks nobody, good. Nobody, in nobody looks no. good in that situation. Yeah. But it's all a right. great conversation to have with me at any point in time. Well, we're having it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. The difference down, she could go a minimum of 5% down if she was truly going to live in it 49% of the time. A second home is a minimum of 10% down. All right, 10% down. If it's an investment property, you said that 25% is the better number. Is 25% is the better number, yeah. Okay, so that's what she's done. Now we've closed. Mm -hmm. She's got this property. She said, I don't want to mess with it. I'm not sure if I can live there 49% of the time, but I know I can put 25% down and we're good. She don't have to live there at all. Okay. All right. She can't Airbnb it more than 49% of 365. Okay. That makes sense. So it's like it it can be there and somebody can just go mow the lawn and water stuff. You want to go down there two weeks out of the year to have your vacation. That is considered a second home, and you and want then, to rent it out 49% of the rest of the year. Enough to you're, pay you're, for certain things. Sure. Okay. Well, but believe it or not, I've got some people Airbnb, they make three times their yearly mortgage payment 
in a half a year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we do. We call Phil when we want to have a second home and we call me to help you find another realtor in a different area. Right. Right. We talked a little bit about some specials. I want to talk about long-term rate locks and our free float down policy. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people thinking about buying new construction out there. If you're going to buy new construction, you should be calling me because we offer rate locks up to one year. Okay. One year. What does that mean? Your rate, we can lock it based on a purchase agreement, even though the property isn't going to be completed for eight months. And I recommend for all clients that are going to do an extended lock, when the builder tells me the house will be finished here in on this date, I would tell you, you better add another 30 days to that because I'm seeing lots of builders not hit their cutoff date. Good yeah. to know. I'm mm-hmm. going to say double that. At least uh, 60 days? Yes. You're saying do 60? Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, 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 yeah. So what is a free float down though? Mm-hmm. We have a policy that says if we lock your rate at 4%, and I sure hope it happens, but it's I don't believe it will, and rates drop by a quarter of a percent, we will drop their rate by an eighth of a percent. Okay. If rates were to drop by three-eighths of a percent, we'll drop their rate by a quarter. If rates were to drop a half a percent, we will drop their rate by three-eighths of a percent. Consumer's always going to lose an eighth. Okay. And the moral of the story is if you're thinking about new construction, call Phil. Absolutely. And get get a second opinion. Um, It never hurts. It doesn't cost you a thing. Um, And you can always go to my talk and use keyword red hot for all of your mortgage and real estate questions. We love to take your questions. Right. And we will see you next week. Reminding you again, that's mytalk1071.com, keyword red hot.